Hello, my name is Deacon Brian. Welcome to the Shepherd of the Hill Sermons Podcast. Every week we share our Sunday morning sermons with you to keep these important conversations going. We hope you not only enjoy hearing our words of God's love for you, but will also feel compelled to share these words with everyone who needs to hear this message. As always, we encourage you to keep the conversation going at home, at work, and everywhere you go. This week, I talked about the story of Jesus healing Jairus' daughter, the leader of a local synagogue, and the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' cloak. I talked about how the woman tried to be sneaky, but was called out and brought into community once more. So sit back, relax, and let us dive into this week's sermon. Our lesson today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the lake. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue, named Jairus, came, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, but she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhages stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some of the people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but only sleeping. And they laughed at him. When he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in and there the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha, come, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. The word of our Lord. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations in our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I've said this before in a sermon recently, uh, but I think it bears repeating. The fact that we gather here on a Sunday morning to read ancient stories and participate in ancient rituals so that we might get a taste of hope is a remarkable thing. This community that gathers around the words of the gospel and the sacraments of Jesus Christ so that we all might feel just a little bit compelled to participate in the service of God is a strange thing in a culture that believes that the only things that have value are those that we can feel and see and calculate. 
Yet here we all are, praying for strength and healing, hearing about a story of two women, one who has been bleeding for 12 years and one who is on the brink of death after only 12 years of life. As we continue to read this Jesus story according to the gospel writer of Mark, we find ourselves back across the sea from the land of the Gerasenes where Jesus healed the demoniac and where he cast out the demons into pigs that drowned themselves in the sea. Jesus and his disciples are now back on the other side of the sea again. And when they get there, a miraculous thing happens. A leader of a local synagogue comes running up to Jesus. I almost imagine this man, who the story calls Jairus, as a person who is probably quite well-known amongst the crowd. I imagine him running up into the crowd, which almost parts for him like the Red Sea, so that he can make his way to come to the feet of Jesus. And he cries out, "'My daughter is dying.'" Please come and save her. And so Jesus goes to the leader's house to heal and to save this man's daughter. The story is beautiful. A man, a father, begging Jesus to save the life of his daughter who is only 12 years old. There's no questions by Jesus. There's no concern, no what-ifs. It's just Jesus hearing this man and going to his house and saying to the little girl, come to me. It's a beautiful story of healing. But in the midst of this story, something really strange happens. And this is the part of the story that captivates my attention the most today. In the midst of Jesus walking with the leader of the synagogue to his house and this big crowd following him and jostling him and pushing around him, a woman comes and touches the hem of his cloak. Now, this is a woman who has been cast out from the community. She's ritually unclean. She's not welcome amongst the gathered community of God, and she's most certainly not welcome in the presence of God. And so this unclean woman who has been suffering for 12 years comes behind Jesus and does the unthinkable. She touches him. A woman touching a man, an unclean person touching a clean person, the unacceptable reaching out for Jesus. I still cannot discern exactly what part of this story stands out to me the most because this brief interaction is rich with so much about who Jesus is and who our God is. This woman comes and touches the hem of his cloak. She believes that if she just touches him, that she would be made whole again after 12 years of hurting and bleeding. And you know what? She was right. She touches Jesus and her disease is gone. And she immediately knows that she has been healed. But Jesus also knows that he just healed someone without him even trying to. So in the midst of all of this chaos of this story, in the midst of a crowd pressing up against him, in the midst of the time taken to go heal a little girl, 
Jesus stops and asks, who touched me? That question boggles my mind a little bit. We claim a belief in an omnipotent God, a God who is all-knowing, a God who should have known exactly who touched him. Yet Jesus is shocked by what just happened. Jesus has to ask, who touched me? And with that question, the woman can feel Jesus' condemnation and comes before Jesus, compelled, feels a need to come before Jesus and to throw herself at his, at his feet and confesses the whole truth. I wonder if we ever know what it feels like to have that same visceral reaction to the healing power of God. And as beautiful as the story of Jairus and his little girl is, it's this part of the story about this woman that makes me wonder and think about who God is and who we are today. A gospel commentator wrote that Mark often puts up this argument of faith and fear. And I find this to be kind of an interesting concept. I'm sure all of us have at some point in our lives felt those moments of complete emptiness, of complete despair. I think all of us have felt ourselves thrust into that crossroads of whether or not we continue down a path of hopelessness or fear or worry, or whether we throw ourselves into the arms of our Creator. And I believe that this woman found herself at that same crossroads. She went to so many doctors, the story told us, and had spent everything she had to try to be made well, but she could not be made well. So her choices were simple. I either give up or I go and do the unthinkable, even if it means crossing all of the boundaries, crossing all of the lines, crossing every single thing that could possibly prevent me from experiencing my own wholeness and touching the hem of Jesus. I think the experience of our life is a lot like what the woman experienced. I think we often believe that if we just do this, then that will happen. And that's just kind of the end of the story. Like the woman, if I just touch the hem of Jesus' cloak, then I will be healed. End of story, no need for further questions or interruptions. Keep going about your day. Our culture feels very similar to that. The way that we're asked to live our lives often feels very similar to that understanding. If I do my best, then everything will be fine. If I try my hardest, then I'll be promoted. If I just go to church or if I just pray a little harder, then God will love me more, right? If I just learn to be happy, then my depression will just go away. This is what our culture tries to get us to believe. Friends, I think we've all been the woman and we've all experienced the crossroads, the moment when the only two options are hope and something we cannot see or feel or complete hopelessness and abandonment and fear and emptiness. And the forces in our life will often try to tell us that if you just do this one thing, it'll solve all of your problems. If you just do this, 
and everything will go the way you want it. Now, Jesus could have let the whole situation go. Jesus could have said, well, I just healed someone, and I don't know who, but as long as they're happy, then everything's fine. He could have just kept on walking to Jairus' house and continued down the path that he was on to go and save the little girl. He could have just moved on. But that's not how our God works. This healing story is not just about being made physically well and just letting the woman go on her way. It's not just a story of, if I just touch Jesus, then I'll be made better and that's all that, that I need. In fact, the physical healing in this story is just the beginning of the healing in this story. What Jesus does next is the gospel, the good news for all of us. Not only is this woman physically healed, but Jesus calls her out to look into her soul and says to her body and her spirit, you are my daughter, you are my next of kin, and because you had faith in me that I can heal you, you have been made whole. Go in peace and feel my love forever. What's remarkable about the story is that it's clear that her faith was not a requirement for her healing. She was physically healed without Jesus asking her any questions, without a test of faith, without anything. She touched him and she was healed. But Jesus brings up an interesting aspect of healing that as people of science, I think we can sometimes overlook. This woman was outcast for 12 years because of her physical ailments. She was classified as unclean, not belonging to the rest of us. And so what she needed was not just a matter of physical healing. She needed to experience love again. She needed to experience what it felt like to be seen again. She needed to be brought back into the community of the kingdom of God. And so this woman has been healed both physically and spiritually by our God. Now, I must confess that sometimes I get deeply frustrated by the healing stories in the Bible. I look out into our world and I see all of us who are experiencing hurts or, or, or who are experiencing the hurts of others. I wonder why these people in the Bible get such special treatment and we do not. I wonder, are we not loved as much as these people in the Bible who get to touch Jesus? I wonder why this random woman gets full healing and yet so many of us still suffer and still struggle and still hurt after years and years and years. I wonder what this all means, and more often than not, I feel like that just saying, well, God heals, whether it's on this earth or after earth, is just not an acceptable answer. As people of faith, why do we not get to come and experience that same welcome into wholeness as this woman did and as Jairus' daughter did? 
And no matter how hard I search and no matter how much I believe that God's healing power is real, I still have no answer to all of the suffering in our world. There's one thing I do know, though. I know that there are doctors and there are nurses who are doing their absolute best. I know that there are some healers and spiritual guides out there who are also doing their best. And I know that our experience of life is harsh and painful and that there are forces put upon us that we have no control over whether it's that cancer diagnosis or that mental health diagnosis or all of the systems of oppression that pump trauma into our bodies like there's no tomorrow. And I know that in the midst of all of it, our God is there, experiencing all of it with us, grieving with us, and doing everything God can do to try to create wholeness and new life within and among us. This is the hope of the gospel, and this is the hope these stories can bring to us. So I wonder today, with all of this being held, I wonder how might we, as a community of faith, as a community of a Jesus, of a God who heals, how might we take this story to tell a culture who believes that if they just do one thing, then everything will be fine, and that that's the end of the story. How do we tell that culture that there is more to healing than if this, than that? How do we tell our culture who can be so binary and so categorical, how do we tell this story that says that all of those categories don't matter? that the clean and the unclean, the acceptable and the unacceptable, that all are welcome in the same crowd with Jesus? How do we tell the story that says that God sees us and that we see you too, and that no matter what happens, no matter what ills or pains or trauma affects you, that there's nothing that can happen that would keep us from loving you and for caring for you in the name of the one who creates us and heals us always. I think trying to sneak up on God like this woman does to get a little bit of healing for ourselves not only does a disservice to us because it keeps us isolated, but it also does a disservice to everyone else who is searching to be filled with God's love and peace and grace. A sneaky healing or a sneaky ministry falls in line with just consuming a little bit of Jesus and moving on with our lives, never actually being transformed. But God is always calling each of us to be seen and to be heard and to be known because the ministry of Jesus is not one of just, if I do this, then this happens. It's a ministry with outstretched arms bringing the whole world together into the kingdom of God that God has prepared for us, where all are filled and all are seen as wonderful, whole children of God. This is our gospel. This is our good news this morning. You are seen and heard and healed, and you are called to remind people of that and to tell our culture just how amazing each of us are in the name of God. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for stopping by and listening to the Shepherd of the Hills Sermons podcast. For more information about Shepherd of the Hills, please check out sothchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Feel free to share this sermon and be sure to follow us on social media and wherever you find your podcast. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thank you.